I'm John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, I'll be reviewing the much-anticipated Marvel's Black Panther, as well as a couple of also rants they dumped out this weekend, Ardman's latest Early Man, and the and the uh, biblical epic from Pure Flix, Samson. Let's get started. I waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over. I'm gonna burn it all. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. Well, leave it to Marvel to set the high bar. That's where we're at now. And uh, after the debacle with uh, Edgar Wright and booting him off the booting him off of Ant Man. I'm really shocked to see how much, you know, to see so much of Ryan Coogler's uh, style within this movie. Because I haven't seen Creed. I missed Creed when it came out. But I've seen Fruitvale Station. And I'm familiar with Ryan Coogler's uh, style and his voice, as it were. And a lot of that made it through Black Panther. I get the feeling that Marvel didn't want to repeat the same issue they had with Edgar Wright. So they're just like, you know what, If it's as long as it's not... Interfering with the final product and with the overall, like, um, the overarching story, as it were, because I know, because Marvel's always, Marvel Studios has been about, you know, telling a long form story as well as the individual stories. And I get the feeling that as long as it wasn't interfering with that, they're just like, you know what, if he, as long as he's got a good story, we're just gonna let it, let it, let it ride, let it ride. And it worked. Because this is one of the most, uh, most, individual Marvel movies. You know, like, Iron Man set the standard. You also, and most of the Marvel movies have some style to them. It, uh, Gar- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was about uh, comedy as well as sort of space adventure. Uh, Doctor-, Doctor Strange was about sort of, um, like, mind expansion, going beyond the natural borders of things. Um... I'm trying to think another of a good another good one. Uh, Captain America has become about political commentary, and you know, aside from missteps like Incredible Hulk, the Thor, the first couple of Thor movies, the Iron Man sequels, much Marvel does tend you know likes to have this style. Ha, mm, Marvel doesn't like to deviate too much from their style. Their you know comic relief as well as. Um, you know, action adventure sort of thing, and so to see a really hard lo- hard look at uh, um, at Afro American relations in the sense of African nation, how African nations view African Americans, and the idea of isolationism uh, ver- ver- versus uh, as a means of protection, whereas uh, you know, I'm, this is it's all people. Have, broken down those commentaries 
through Black Panther or not. There are much smarter people than me breaking that down. I'm just here to say, yes, Black Panther is really good. It's really good, you guys. And if you haven't seen it yet, because tickets sold out already, um, go check it out at your earliest convenience. You know, I'm not going to say go go out there if you have no money in, in your pocket and you need to pay bills. Make sure you have some money to spare. And once you have some money set aside, like a cup, you know, you have like 40 bucks set for the weekend for you and a date, you can just go go to see go see Black Panther. It's good. It is good. It's really good. And and that's the thing. This movie means much more to uh, black audiences than it does to most, uh, you know, mo- the wider Marvel audience. Because it's representation. It's it's and as much as people say that there were and you know people have been um, uh, nitpicking the uh, co- the uh, commentary on this movie, the uh, uh, reviews saying that there were other black superheroes. Yes, yes, we know about Meteor Man and Blade and all of the other black superheroes in media before this. There is nothing quite like there has there really hasn't been anything quite like. Uh, Black Panther before now. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Yes, we had a black. We had black leading superheroes, Meteor Man, as, as I mentioned, uh, Blade, obviously. But at the same time, they were the they were the title character. As much as they were the title character and the main focus, they were also surrounded by mostly a white supporting cast. Black Panther, aside from. Uh, Martin Freeman as the CIA agent uh, introduced in Civil War and uh, Andy Serkis as Dr. Claw most of Black Panther supporting cast are uh, are African characters you know they're black characters and a lot of them are actually of African descent I know um, uh, Letitia Wright who plays uh, his sister Shuri is from Guyana and of course you've got Lupita Nyong'o who is the daughter of I believe a Nigerian ambassador I want to get that right I don't want to misrepresent her so while I look that up yes Lupita Nyong'o is in this movie and she is the sort of that's the thing she plays the love interest of sorts because that that is the main relationship at the same time none of it Kenya Uh, daughter of a Kenyan Politician Peter a- Anyang Nyongo, so it's Kenyan. That's why I wanted. That's why I wanted to double check. Love this woman. Love Lupita. She is such just everything. I'm so glad Marvel grabbed her up for one of these. Um, but her character in this is a major driving force of uh, the plot. You know, she is a major character in her own right, aside from being Black Panther's love interest. And even when he, like, the movie opens with him saving her, quote unquote, but when when he does, she's like, what are you doing? I was doing something, man. What are you doing? What's the matter with you? And then, you know, it's revealed that we're carrying over from uh, Civil War, where T'Chaka died in the attack on the United Nations, and so T'Challa is undergoing the official, because uh, technically in, in Civil War, he was not technically the Black Panther as the character is written in the comics. He had to undergo what he does in this movie, the right of pass, the rites of passage in order to inherit the powers of Bast, the, the Panther God, which is what you see in this movie. But, um, yeah, she... 
yeah, the, Lupita's great. Um, oh, oh, why can't I remember her name? Uh, uh, she, she, she has a hard, she's a lot harder to pronounce the name, but she's uh, best known as Michonne from The Walking Dead. Uh, Denai Gurira, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, wait, was she, was she, was she in, uh, Lupita both in Eclipsed? Ha! So, fair, fun fact, uh, according to their wikis, uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Denai Guerrera, uh, produced this play about the Second Liberian Civil War, called Eclipsed. And so, uh, the uh, Denai wrote it, and then Lupita was in the production. Although I don't know if Denai was on was in it as well. Um, Lupita was in it, uh, and I don't recognize the other actors. But apparently that was not too long ago. That was a couple of years ago. So the, apparently uh, um, Denai Gura and Lupita Nyong'o have worked together already, so they must have been like, oh, hey, how's it going? We're back. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, and then... Um, Really, just all the supporting cast. Letitia Wright as Shuri is like this is like a young uh, Tony Stark as a you know only as an African woman, like a sixteen year old African woman, and she's just like all she's like super nerdy about science and tech, and she's just like I want to show you my things, and then she, but at the same time she's also has no problem like picking on her brother and you know making sure his head's not up his ass. Um, we even got a uh, Get Out star Daniel Kaluuya in here as uh, a friend and also as a friend and one of the uh, heads of security for uh, Wakanda, one of Wakanda's tribes. And he has an interesting arc. Not as well developed, sadly, but I'm hoping they, they fix that in future movies. But um, basically what happens is uh, T'Challa wants to bring in Claw... Now that he was, now that he's officially succeeded as king of Wakanda, he wants to bring in Claw to serve for his crimes that 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 are that were committed in the nineties. And he that's where he runs into Martin Freeman, and he they and uh, Claw is working with Kill Eric Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, which revealed is um, well, I don't want to give the give it away too much. Uh, but basically, he has uh, he has he himself has connections to Wakanda, and so Killmonger challenges T'Challa, uh, and wants and hopes to be the you know hopes to succeed him as King and Black Panther, and um, and so that and so the movie becomes about and so the movie mainly tackles these ideas of. African isolationism. If Wakanda's so wealthy, why aren't they helping others? You know, that's that's uh, Lupita Nyong'o as Nakia. Um, that's her arc is to try and get you know trying to uh, you know help T'Challa understand that they can't just keep hiding themselves with all they have available to them. They should be able to help. And that's the whole other thing too is Killmonger is saying the same thing. The problem is he's talking violent revolution. And that's and that's why you're starting, to, and that's why um, I know for I know for me I follow a lot of uh, black uh, black nerds and black film fans and buffs and whatnot on on Twitter, and so they're all talking like you know, hey, um, Killmonger wasn't wrong because he's talking, act, you know, he has real talking points. The problem arises when his solution is the same is the, is to recreate exactly what. 
happened beforehand. You know, colonial. He's you know he's referring to it as like reverse colonialization under and have Wakanda be the one planetary empire. And yeah, so I mean that's the whole thing. Is Killmonger has you know has a point. He's making good points. The problem is his solution is violent revolution and to basically burn you know like like in the like it said in the trailer burn it all down burn it all down start again and as much as i know that that i i, I know i have those uh <laughs> those uh feelings uh towards this current system as it is you know just burn it down start it over i know that that ex- isn't exactly the best way to solve the problem i know that that isn't really going to solve the issue as much as you know at, you know, tearing it down without violent revolution. I don't know. I don't know. I'm talking about things that I have no real understanding of. I'm talking out of my ass right now. Point is, Black Panther is a damn well-constructed movie. It really is just one of Marvel's best. I think, um, for me personally, Avengers is still, like, the pinnacle for them. They really haven't peaked since then. Like, as Guardians of the Galaxy, like, Phase 3 has been really good all the way around you know Doctor Strange interesting way to start to diverge from the normal um, Marvel universe as we know it and to be more expansive Guardians of the Galaxy 2 really expanded on those characters and showed how they could also and showed that they could tell a more personal family story and you know Captain America's uh, Captain America 3 showed that they re- could really continue and even tell a better version of what the com- comic books did because the Civil War event comic was was a cluster f you know it was it was a <laughs> it was really poorly thought out it's a bunch of people thinking we can ha- tell a high-minded story in a post 9/11 Marvel universe except they completely bungled it at every turn you know and so the movie Civil War managed to try and do more of that with the established Marvel Cinematic Universe and did a much better job of it. And, you know, uh, Thor 3 showed that, hey, we can actually have a good Thor movie. It's mostly copying Guardians of the Galaxy 2 uh, Thunder, but at the same time, hey, why not allow them to have more fun? Who cares? It's a good Thor movie for once. And, um,. You know, and then now with Black Panther, we've got a movie that we can, uh, you know, have genuine, real social commentary about. You know, Civil War kind of opened the door to actual social commentary more so, as well as, you know, Winter Soldier. So there, the, this door has been sle- steadily creeping open. And then Ryan Coogler came in with Black Panther and just kicked the door in. A la um, Killmonger in this movie, just like. Yeah, brings in brings in uh, social commentary. It's like, yo, what's up? I got this now. You got this now. Uh, oh god, just all around a phenomenal movie. The one thing, you know, once again, uh, not perfect. I will say that. Uh, much like with uh, Scott Derrickson in directing Doctor Strange, the action sequences kind of suffer from that similar Marvel action knee issue when people. You know, Russo, the Russo brothers know how to direct action. That's their bread and butter. I feel like you almost want to bring them in as the action coordinators, you know? Because Ryan Coogler and Scott Derrickson are great directors. They're not exactly the best action directors. I almost feel like you want somebody else to manage those. But at the same time, um, 
yeah, it's it's a phenomenal you know the, the you know as much as the climactic battle isn't as isn't as great as everything leading up to it. Uh, it's still a damn good movie, just all around phenomenal. If you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor, check it out. It's good. It is the movie to top this year. You know, the high bar has been set. You know, what you got, 2018? What you got now? All right. Sliced bread, wow. That's the best thing since, well, ever. Where have you been, the Stone Age? Your guys are finished. It's time to take our valley back. You're pretty brave, caveman. And stupid. What strange magic is this? Actually, more stupid than brave, really. Thanks. I think my nephew is starting to have a better eye for movies than I did. Uh, because he saw this one uh, coming from a mile away in terms of quality. Uh, basically, uh, this is Ardman being given the shaft, essentially, by Lionsgate and Summit. And dump, being dumped against one of the biggest movies of the year, if not of the decade. And so, instead of giving it a couple of weeks, maybe waiting until March... Or something, Lionsgate's just like, whatever, who cares? No one's gonna see it. And so, Ardman got done wrong by Lionsgate. Uh, the basic premise here is it's the origins of f- football, soccer, as it were, you know, footy, and the international football, however you want to refer to it. Um, and it's, it's a bunch of football puns and jokes. In, a lot of football in jokes and sadly I, as much as I love Ardman I love their style I love their sense of humor I think they're way better than a lot of the other kids movie uh, studios out there man this wasn't a, wasn't their best this really was just like yeah let's make a foot let's make a football movie who you know have fun with it and it's about cavemen playing Bronze Age warriors and it's all and even even more so than I was familiar with because I was familiar with some uh, football because I followed you know several British um, you know uh, celebrities and whatnot and so I'm familiar with some of the stuff about football because that's what they'll talk about but you know just even my nephew who is a who plays soccer and who is follows all kind who follows all the teams I think he is I think he I don't want to say he's Real Madrid. I, I forget what his uh, team of choice is. Um, and not Real Madrid. I want to say it's something else. But uh, he, you know, he he he, ha- he has his own team that he follows, and he lo- you know he, re- he, re- he he is all about uh, international football, almost as much if not more than American football. Um, but he saw this coming from a mile away. He saw that this wasn't going to be that great of a movie and it was about cavemen playing soccer and well damn if he wasn't right you saw that coming (laughs) oh yeah it's cavemen playing soccer and sadly you could do a lot more with this uh you know one primitive age meeting another uh setting 
and you could do a lot more with you know than they than what they did. And sadly, Ardman did not put in their A game. I mean, there's some good jokes in here. There's like, um, there's a joke with a duck. I'll say that the trailer kind of gives it away. One of the trailers gives it away, but there is a solid joke with uh, involving a duck. Uh, I'll say that much. As well as uh, their sort of email Twitter messenger bird sort of thing, where the bird reenacts uh, whoever the whoever gives the message and like actually acts like the person giving the message. And so there's and that's the other and that's the other thing too. This has a solid voice cast. Tom Edelson is unrecognizable. Eddie Redmayne, you probably wouldn't be able to pick out. Maisie Williams. It's, uh, like, the only voices you could really pick out are probably Richard Iowate, because he always sounds like that. But at the same time, it's, it's, you know, it's a solid voice cast for the most part. And it's just, they don't really have that much to work with. I feel like this is one of the lesser Ardmans, you know? I feel like this isn't up to the par as even the pirate movie they just did not too long ago. So, I can kind of see why you dump it, sadly, because it isn't Ardman's best. I don't know, but I don't know. I feel like Ardman deserves better than to be dumped against Black Panther when nobody's going to see it. He's going to be completely outshone by the bigger, better movie. But I don't know. I don't know what you do with this. So, um... I think that's really all you need to say because there isn't that much to actually talk about. The voice casting was good. Animation is still good. The jokes and writing just weren't there. And the story wasn't all that new or compelling either. So, eh. If you if, if there's nothing else you want your kids to see and you're not interested in taking them to see Black Panther, then I guess Early Man will do. But, I don't know. My stream is down your stream. Ardman didn't meet expectations by being as good as they usually are, Pure Flitz decided to not meet expectations by not being as bad as they usually are. Yep, this is the latest from Pure Flix Entertainment, the Christploitation Kingpin, and as much, while their next film, I think their next film, let me take a look at the really, their release schedule, but they've got a film coming up pretty soon that's their sequel to their big release, uh, the uh, God's Not Dead, in which, <laughs> in which a church, lo- uh, it, it it's a here. Let me pull up the uh, third one. I'm gonna try and relate to you the uh, premise here. Oh, they don't even have the balls to list the t- the pr- the premise on their wiki page. Here we go. Pastor Dave, played by David A.R. White, responds to the unimaginable tragedy of having his church located on the grounds of a local university burned down. And so, it's, it's, it's bananas how they try to make Christianity look like the ones being persecuted in this movie. It, it's even, like, this is even crazier. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the next God's Not Dead is gonna be going into space. Because that's usually where they go with these stupid sequels. But uh, this one also, we can expect Tatum O'Neill, Ted McGinley, and uh, I think those are the other newest uh, additions to this uh, crap show. 
And of course, now David Ayer White, who has been a minor character in these in this series for the time for the most part, is now in the spotlight. He is the star. Oh, it's gonna be awful. Just the worst. And uh, it is the next one. Oh my god, that's next month. Oh good. Goody goody gun drops. I can't wait. Um meanwhile, we had uh this this weekend. Their biblical epic Samson, who I and I believe this is their this is um like their fourth or fifth uh biblical epic. I can't I'm not exactly sure. There's all they said to be enough of them, so it looks like there's been about a half a dozen. This is the latest in theirs, but sadly their biblical epics don't get as much play and or are or aren't as bad as their present day uh, stories of Christianity, and that's the case here. Here we have uh, Taylor James, who is pretty much a newcomer, although they make they they make him look like freaking um, Taylor Lautner in this movie. They really want to make it look like this is Taylor Lautner when it's not. Uh, and meanwhile, we've got Jackson Rathbone as the over-the-top villain Rala, who's best known as Jasper Hale from the Twilight series. So there is a Twilight connection. As well as Billy Zane and Rutger Hauer. That's right. We got the likes of the bad guy from Titanic and the star and the bad guy from Blade Runner in this movie. Not that you'd recognize either of them, because Billy Zane... Billy Zane you can kind of recognize, although, he's, you know, he's, he's definitively older. But he's nowhere near as over-the-top and cammy as you would expect from a Billy Zane performance, you know? And Rutger Hauer, you just cast him to get the name recognition because he doesn't do Jack in this movie. The premise here is it's the story of Samson. From his young adulthood to his death. And if you're familiar with that story from the from the Bible, it's pretty much that. Um, and yeah, it's just boring. It's boring. Like, usually Pure Flix is over the top enough to be funny bad, you know? Like, it could be... Like, God's Not Dead is, is their standout series. Because it is that stupidly bad. But... For some reason, it this this series just doesn't have it. It doesn't have any of the real like even there like they have look Taylor James is a lookalike for Taylor Lautner and the guy playing his brother is a lookalike for Josh Hutchinson Hutcherson Hutcherson uh, Peta from the Hunger Games. Uh, but it really just doesn't do anything like the action sequences are terrible but they're not so bad that that you were like oh my god can you believe they tried to pull that off i mean that some of it some of them are there are some some you know some um scenes where you can tell the budget can't meet what they're hoping to pull um but nah man it's just it it really is like it just can't uh, compete with its with its compatriots. It's not as fun as its bad com- as its bad uh, peers. You know, things like God's Not Dead. Do you believe? Uh, oh God, what are some of the other ones? Uh, same kind of different as me. The Case for Christ. Like these can be mocked for the terribleness that they are. 
This is just a lackluster... Like, that's the thing. The story of Samson has been done already. Back in the days when they actually had um, biblical epics made by Hollywood studios, we had, def- we had different interpretations of Samson. Let me try to pull up some of them. We've got one made by... One, one in Italy, Sam- something called Samson versus the Pirates. Samson and his mighty challenge... Uh, oh, here we go. Samson and Delilah by Cecil B. DeMille. And, yeah. So, I mean, like, the story of Samson has been done already. You ain't gonna top Cecil B. DeMille. So why are you telling this story? And it feels like they want to tell the story to be, to be like, to be like their big superhero story because Samson is, like, super strong. But, no. No, 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 no. It is just the pits. It really is. It can't meet... Ex- I, I bet that Cecil B. De, DeMille movie uh, with Hedy Lamar as Delilah is much more interesting than what we get with Pure Flix. Because Pure Flix can't even be bothered to tell... Like, the one thing they had going for this movie is they didn't make Delilah out to be the treacherous whore. You know? Like, the backstabbing um, sex pot... Honey pot uh, that, that is uh, usually... Delilah stereotype like here it's something else but by doing by not making her over the top evil they basically made her a non-entity in the story like you barely wreck like Delilah may as well not be in this movie at all and oh Angela Lansbury is in this uh, in this uh, Cecil B. DeMille one that's actually something there's a cast for you Forget Rutger Howard and Billy Zane. We've got Hedy Lamar, George Sanders, and Angela Lansbury. That's something. So yeah. Pure flicks, stick to your lane. Be stupid and over the top. Let that be your let that be your lane. Don't try to be serious. When you try to be serious, all you are is boring. Because you're not good enough to be real dramatic. You don't have what it takes, kid. Go back and go back home and do better next time. Uh, so yeah, that's all the new releases that came out this weekend. Uh, but we do have a quick Netflix and chat that I want to talk about. Salutations, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Popcorn Junkie here for a little Netflix and chat. Oh, right. So, I did watch a couple of things uh, streaming this week. Uh, The first one was I did check out that new Godzilla thing for Netflix. I don't want to get too into it because I'm saving that for an episode of Majide, and I'll talk and I'll mention on this podcast when when we get to that one. I, I I got issues with it, but I'll just leave it at this. It definitely isn't as good as we as it was hyped up to be. And considering how bad the doldrums of the Godzilla series has been, this we deserved better than this. And, but I'll leave it at that, and I'll get into more detail uh, with my issues on it in a future episode of Majide. I just need to talk with Mike on uh, when we want to do that. Um, the other two things I saw were the Bad Boys movies. I checked those out uh, to, in order to catch up with Now Playing Podcast. And I expect a bunch of now playing stuff to come in later on deadline. I know they did Death Wish as well in lead up to the new one, and they've done they did a special series on Hellraiser, but 
I'm gonna wait for that. Uh, basically, uh, they did Bad Boys and lead up to Transformers Five, and I am not a fan of the Bad Boys movies. The first one I get; it's stupid, poor, and and, and to learn that it was improved mostly that makes a whole lot of sense because it is not good. It is pretty bad, and, and, you know, because these guys are not professional improv comedians, really. Like Will Smith is great at comedy when he has something to say. Bad Boys, he got nothing to say. He's just trying to ramble on. And even though Martin Lawrence is a stand, great, is a pretty good stand-up, he is not a great improver. You know, he can only do so much in, in, with improvisational humor. I think he, once again, he's better off when they actually give him something to say. Although they did give him something to say with Big Mama's house, so maybe not. But yeah, the first one, I at least understand. It's over the top. It's a cartoon. It's not to be taken seriously. You can have fun with it. I personally didn't, but I can see where people would take note of it and call, you know, and have fun with it with their buds or something, you know? Bad Boys 2, on the other hand, took all of the enjoyment and the aloofness of the original and went for over-the-top, melodramatic, super serial, you guys. Because this is post-9-11. And we got to emphasize that by making it all about the military and how great they are and how much they do for this country, you damn pinko communist bastards. That's what I get mostly from Bad Boys 2 is Michael Bay really setting in stone his his uh, fetishization, as I called it, of the uh, mili- of the U.S. military. Because that's what he does. He he might as well be jacking off to the shots of the U.S. military in action. Because that's all it is. It's just him being like, oh, yeah, America's the greatest country in the world. Yeah, America. F yeah, 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 America, America. Thanks, Michael Bay. Thanks. You know, my, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's a sexual deviant, and my, Michael Bay is a political deviant because he's got to show us how great the military is, as if we didn't already know. And once again, I have nothing against the U.S. military, or, or not. Well, not to say that I do have issues with it. More so. From the top end. My are at the top end. The, the actual soldiers, the people fighting, I got no beef with them. They're doing their job. They're doing what they can. They think that they want to serve this country. And I commend them for that. I just don't like when it's guys like Michael Bay telling me how great they are. Aren't these guys great? They're just the best. And it's like, dude, calm down. Chill. So yeah. Bad Boys 2 is Michael Bay setting in stone everything we've come to recognize him for since. The only deviation from his militaristic fetishization and his really cheap and immature style of humor is uh, Pain and Gain, which is why it was such a breath of fresh air because it was actually something wor- that you could watch. Meanwhile, everything else Michael Bay puts his hands on is image is like written by a 13 year old who wants to be who wants to join the military he's like one of those kids from 1517 to paris growing up you know oh i love being a soldier the military is the best and also gays yeah right quit being such being a gay lord huh <laughs> what are you a girly man whatever i'm a dude i'm a i'm a boy 
boy things. That's what Michael Bay has deviated into. And that's why I can't take him seriously anymore. And it seems like Bad Boys was him just solidifying that as who he is as a filmmaker. So yeah, uh, that's that. those are the main things I watched this week. Uh, Black Panther, still the best. Then, uh, like I said, it steadily started going downhill because we had Early Man, which is meh. Samson, which is boring. Uh, Godzilla, War for the Planet or something. Uh, Planet, of the Mo- Planet of the Monster, which is ugh, frustrating. And Bad Boys, which is, eh, kind of get it, to Bad Boys 2, which is just I, unwatchable. An absolutely... I, last half hour, I had to pull myself kicking and screaming to finish because I could not bo- be bothered otherwise. I hated sitting through that last half hour, Bad Boys 2. It is just the pits. Oof. So, yeah. That's what I watched this week. So, we'll be right back for a talk about the Hollywood Hype Machine. want to hear four badass women discuss and dissect modern and classic horror films. Join us at Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, A Good Ghoul's Guide to Horror. Oh! On the gun, we can't have Don't read the line. Do you know that in the world of the insane, you will find a kind of truth more terrifying I haven't talked about this before, but uh, it's time we tackled the Hollywood hype machine. Now, I originally intended to um, to to uh, do another love junkie since I had, this would be after Valent- the official Valentine's Day, but I think but I wasn't able to get in enough uh, of the movies I wanted to watch for that in time because. Man, I gotta admit, depression hit me hard. I missed one day of my meds and just... Just, I don't want to leave my bed. Why does the world keep spinning? I just want it stop. I just want it all to end. Uh, I'm good now. Uh, I managed to pull myself out of it, but... You know, by getting back on my meds. But, yeah, just... I hit a wall, man. I just hit a wall this weekend. Uh... So, in, in lieu of that, uh, I don't want to fill it up because the BAFTAs were last night as of this recording. So, I don't want to... F- I know that the last time I tried to cover um, an awards show, it didn't work out too well. It was very short. So, I'm going to lead up to the awards show by talking about something that apparently happened to this, to this point, And that is the Hollywood hype machine. By that, I mean when movie studios, especially for big blockbuster releases gonna get you so hyped up in order to see something whether the thing is good or not the hype machine is real Doug Walker I remember talked about it in his review for Independence Day or was it Godzilla because he was talking about Roland uh, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin and how 
the hype for Stargate was out there, and it's like, oh, what's this going to be? What's this going to be? And it was crap. And then Independence came out, and it was dumb. And then Godzilla came out, and it was dumb crap. So the hype machine has always kind of been there. The hype machine, I mean, really can almost go back to as far as Jaws, although really anything big, any of the big tentpole releases had a lot of hype going. If, they, if Hollywood thought they could make money behind it, they would hype it up to no end. And so the Hollywood hype machine is real, and it's also a real problem because, because of that saying, sometimes the things they're hyping up aren't good. And so to be hyped up for something that's ultimately going to be bad, it leaves you dis- even when it's not as good as you were hoping for. Because that's the other backlash, too, is that you get hyped up for a release, and then you watch it, and you're like, well, this isn't good. It's the Phantom Menace effect, where you get so much hype for this thing, and then you sit there, and you're like, for, you know, and then you go through the five stages of um, grief sitting there watching the movie. Den- you know, you fr- first it's denial. No, 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 this is good. This is good. I'm telling you, this is good. Then it's anger. Why is this bad? Why is this so bad? Then it's bargaining. No, no, it's going to get better with the sequels. The sequels are going to explain this. It's going to get better. You just wait and see. It's, it, it, it'll get better. It's, it, it, it's going to get better. Depression. Those, why? Why was I hyped for this? Why did I think this was going to be good? What is wrong with me? Why did I buy into this? And finally, acceptance. Man, remember when we got all hyped for that, for that garbage? Oh, man. We were so naive back then. Hey, the new Avengers is coming out. It's got Ultron in it. Want to get hyped for it? Uh, so, yeah, the hype machine, it's, it's an inevitability when it comes to businesses. They love to hype up their, uh, their stuff. They want you to buy into their stuff. They want you to get hyped. And unfortunately, the problem lies. And I had this issue with uh, Pacific Rim as well. I love Pacific Rim. I got way too hyped for it. The hype was real. And you saw a lot of that going into Black Panther. People were very worried that the hype is going to lead to a major backlash if it doesn't meet expectations. Thankfully, it is meeting most expectations. Some people, you know, I think it didn't meet every expectation, but it met most of the expectations. It met enough expectations that it's definitely doing gangbusters right now. I think it was like, what, 200 million this weekend? Let's check it out. But, yeah... It's it's a problem. It is a problem, and it's a problem that they don't want to solve because when it works, it works. Uh, 235 million opening weekend debut. And what did they list? No list for the budget. Uh, let's take a look at Doctor Strange. Let's take a look at... I think Doctor Strange will give us a good idea of... What to expect? Uh, Doctor Strange budget was 165 million, and then let's take a look at Civil War, the last movie T'Challa was in. That was 250, so I don't think it's that. I think it's about. I think it's about that much though. So let like let's take a look at um, Thor Ragnarok. How much does that cost? 180 million. So yeah, already I think by this point. It's definitely made the budget back. The budget is back, no problem. But in, and so now it, all it has to do is make up for the advertising, which is another couple of hundred. If they can breach four hundred, maybe five hundred million, they're in the clear. They're all good. It's all it's all um, 
in the it's all in the black, baby, <laughs> literally. And um, but yeah, the problem lies a lot with Hollywood being run by corporations, and corporations care more about people paying them money, giving them money, than about worrying whether or not their advertising campaigns are going to do the film any justice. This isn't about art; it's about commerce. And so, when the commerce supersedes the art, you get the hype machine. And the problem with the hype machine is that it it just it just it just it has the most and most likely will has more of a risk to ruin a movie than it does to make people. Because that's the thing, DC and Warner Brothers want to hype up their movies. The problem with that is their hype only goes so far because all they have are their fanboys. Most regular theater goers, most other discerning fan, most other discerning watchers and fans aren't going into them hyped because they expect, like, Suicide Squad kind of hyped it up. And unfortunately, they were met with a really lackluster, poorly constructed film. Same with Justice League. Justice League thought they could try and pull off an Avengers, and sadly, they just could not. They didn't have what it takes because they didn't do the work required for something to, like that to work. And, you know, like I said, with Pacific, I'm hyped for Pacific Rim. And I'm trying to think of one of the, one of the other really bad, like, overly hyped movies. Um... I know Blade Runner had a bunch of hype behind it, but I know, but I was one of the few that didn't love Blade Runner as much as everyone else. I wasn't into it. I also wasn't into the first one that much. So, um, oh, there's actually a TV tropes about it. Hollywood hype machine. Oh, that's right. Uh, the hype machine around um, M Night Shyamalan after his success with uh, with uh, Sixth Sense. There's no business like show business like show business enough from Andy Kitchen. It has been in existence and has tried to make new stars. A new big star can sell a movie. Okay, and that's the other thing, too, is not only is the hype machine around movies, the hype machine is around actors. Remember when Avatar was the biggest movie in the world and they tried to pin it on Sam Worthington? And they tried to make him the star of a bunch of other stuff and it didn't work because Sam Worthington is a hunk of balsa wood? That's the thing. So the hype become so the hype then grows around um, whoever the next big name is. So whatever the next success is, they try to make as much they try to make as much out of them as they can. You know, mm. uh, examples that didn't hold up. Here we go: Kevin James, Chris Tucker, Josh Hartnett. Oh God. I forgot how much they tried to make Josh Hartnett a thing. Uh, oh, poor Daniel Stern. His, and his steep fall off after uh, after Home Alone 1 and 2. Um, uh, Emile Hirsch. Well, that's right. They did try to make him a thing. Brandon Routh, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey. Mar- once again, the previously mentioned, the, for- the originally aforementioned Martin Lawrence... Um, uh, when they tried to make Zach Braff a thing after Garden State and Scrubs Freddie Highmore after uh, Finding Neverland and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory um, Shia LaBeouf 
from his top stint in the Transformers, of course. Oh, God. When Dane Cook tried to have an acting career. Uh, I wouldn't know if Keanu Reeves counts as overly hyped. Because I think he manages to come back. Like, he was bit hype after Bill and Ted and Point Break. And then leading into The Matrix. The Matrix kept him going. But I don't know if he was overhyped. Trying to think what else we got. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Death Patel. Uh... Uh, hit for, after Slumdog Millionaire, he was they were hoping for him to be the next big thing, and he got stuck being in the last Airbender in the best exotic Marigold Hotel, and he didn't really get back into like being in good stuff until last year's Lion. No, uh, two years ago's Lion, 2016's Lion, Army Hammer. <laughs> oh God, the hype around Ryan Reynolds for the longest time. Those are some really bad uh, doldrums when it came to Ryan Reynolds in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, Tim Allen, I guess. Michael, Michael, Sarah. Yep. Uh, Kate Hudson, Alicia Silverstone, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Elton, uh, Denise Richards, Jessica Biel, Rachel Bilston, Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley, Jennifer Garner. Yep. So I mean, like, yeah. It, you could probably think of your own right now. Like, I remember there was a lot of hype around Chloe Grace Moretz following her stint as as a hit girl on Kick-Ass. But she's kind of, like, let that slide. She's not interested in being, like, cent- big, you know, centerpiece hype girl. And, and I think that works to her advantage because then she can be in stuff like, uh, oh, what was it called? Um, Claws of St. Marie, I think. Let me check. Kristen Stewart was another one who got all hyped up thanks to Twilight. And unfortunately, it kind of tanked her career because it got her stuck in the idea that she's going to be she, she's a terrible actress because she got cast as a poorly written role in a terrible movie. But um, yeah, poor uh, Gr- Chloe Grace Moretz got saddled with things like If I Stay, The Fifth Wave. She became like the next... Kristen Stewart, sadly, but she, had, but at the same time, she's able to be in things like um, she was on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. That's cute. Uh, but like, she had a nice stint on Thirty Rock. She was in Clouds of Sil Maria with a uh, with the aforementioned um, Kristen Stewart. Uh, she was pretty decent in uh, Carrie, the Carrie remake, as well as the Let the Right One In remake. Um, uh, the Tale of Princess Kaguya. She was the titular. Uh, character in that in the in the American dub of that, so that's nice. Um, red shoes and the seven what? Oh no! Oh no 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 no! There is a Korean animated version of Snow White that looks like absolute ass, and it's come and it's got Chloe Grace Moretz as Snow White. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, that's going to be bad. But yeah, I think that's the thing is that people get hyped about all this new upcoming star. Like, I worry, you know, you get worried that uh, Daniel Kalia is going to be one of these guys that gets all this hype from Get Out and now being in Black Panther. And the next thing he's going to be in some Tyler Perry, you know, direct-to-video quality garbage. But it, it's hard to say. It, it's hard to say who's going to succeed and who's not because once again it's all hype they hype up one person until they stop succeeding 
and then it's moved on to the next one. But it's never about how they are in terms of quality. It's about how much attention and and thereby money they can garner for the people at top, you know, the the publishers and the studio heads and the and the producers and all those people. How much can you bank for them? Uh, and that's really what the hype machine is about, sadly. So I think I think after all this time, like I I don't remember. Um, when uh, the hype machine got uh, got first started getting backlash, I don't think it was Star Wars. It may have been. Uh, it may have been because I mean, there's pl- been plenty of backlash, but I think there's been a push recently to to break free from the Hollywood hype machine and to uh, and to. Just wait until a movie comes out, not to make your mind up whether or not it's good beforehand, because when you do that, then you end up making, you know, you end up making your decision without actually seeing the movie. And that's, that's become a major issue with a lot of uh, people who just decide whether or not to like a movie based on what little they've seen instead of waiting until the final product comes out. So... This is a pretty half-assed discussion, I'm going to admit. I'm going to admit it right off the bat. This is not a good discussion. I was not prepared for this. But at the same time, I feel like we should at least acknowledge the fact that the hype machine is out there. And you got to be wary of it because, it, you know, you're going to be let down by it eventually. If it's not Black Panther or Infinity War or whatever the next Marvel thing is, it's going to be something else. A young up-and-coming actor. A young musician making the headlines, you know? You know, oh, this newcomer is making some waves. I really like their sound. And then the next album they release is utter garbage, you know? Don't hype up... Try not to hype up anybody else in your mind to something bigger than they actually are. Just an artist. Just a film. Just a product. It's just a thing. It's okay if it's not good. I think that's, I think that should be the mantra to overcome the Hollywood hype machine. It's just a thing. It's okay if it sucks. I'm okay, you know. Say that in the next time. I'm gonna have to say that in my head when the next uh, Pacific Rim trailer comes up. It's like it's just a movie. It's it, it it doesn't have to be good. It can be bad. That's okay. <laughs> I will not be. Up, I I want. I don't want to be. Too, I don't want to hide myself up for this thing. It can be bad. It has the possibility for badness, and that's okay. You know, almost like the uh, villains. Uh, the Bad Anon uh, mantra from Wreck-It Ralph. This movie is bad. This movie can be bad, and that's good. This movie may never be good, and that's not bad. There's the... I should just wait to see it for myself. There you go. That's the mantra. This movie could be bad, and that's good. This movie, this movie may not be good, and that's just not bad. There's no one. I, the only way to the only way to know is to see it for myself. There you go. That's the mantra for the for the anti hype again against Hollywood's overhype machine. Okay. Uh, so uh, why don't we take a look at them Baftas? Never done that before. And the award goes to. Ah. 
I missed the actual ceremony. I think it was actually in the theaters watching Early Man when the BAFTAs were going on. Uh, I don't remember what time they were shown, if they were even shown on American television. But uh, let's take a look at the winners. Uh, we're going to go up from the bottom. So we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up to Best Picture. Uh, so first up, we've got the EE, which is a British uh, uh, communications company. So they, the BAFTAs literally branded out their Rising Star Award to make money from it. Oh, boy. Um, so yeah, the Rising Star Award, uh, as voted by the public, uh, the nominees were t- the other nominees were Timothy Timothy Chalamet from uh, uh, from uh, Call Me by Your Name, and what was the other thing he was just in uh, Hostiles. Uh, so he was he was one of the nominees. Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok, Josh O'Connor from God's Own Country, uh, which is a British. Drama, a young sheep farmer in Yorkshire whose life is transformed by the arrival of a Romanian migrant worker. Huh. Okay. And then, so yeah, Josh O'Connor wasn't that. People liked him. Florence Pugh, P-U-G-H. She is just in what? Uh, the Commuter, Lady Macbeth. Okay, that's where they, people must have known, recognized her as uh, 2016's Lady Macbeth, where a uh, young woman named Catherine has a loveless marriage with an older man. Okay, so it's some kind of Lady Macbeth and the and the Intensk district by Nikolai Leskov. Okay, so it's some kind of drama in that sense. Uh, but uh, the winner was Get Out and Black Panther star Daniel Kaluuya. And I gotta say, yeah, he, he man deserves it. He's a good actor. Good for him. Uh, short film and short animation don't have their own wiki pages. I think they were hacked to be made in Britain, so I wouldn't have seen them anyways. Uh, the best nominees for the nominees for best animated film: My Life as a Courgette, 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 Ma Vie de Courgette. Oh, My Life as a Zucchini. Um, so apparently, Britain just got that one. I remember that was nominated a couple of years back uh, for Oscar. So that was nominated alongside uh, Loving Vincent. And the winner was Coco. So shout out to Britain for not nominating Crap Like Boss Baby and Ferdinand. Best film in, not in the English language. It's a best foreign language. Uh, the Salesman, which I think we discussed with the Oscars. Uh, the Salesman. Okay, no, this is something else. Uh, 2016 drama directed by Asghar Farhadi. Uh... About a married couple perform Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman. When the wife is assaulted, her husband attempts to determine the identity of the attacker while she struggles to cope with post-trauma, post-traumatic stress. Farhadi chose Miller's play as his story within a story based on a shared themes. Ooh, I want to check that out. Uh, the next nominee was Loveless, which I think I mentioned before was the kid who ran away. Yeah, uh, the Russian kid who ran away. Uh, First They Killed My Father by Angelina Jolie and Ruthie Pan which is the Cambodian uh, historical thriller uh, based on the based on um, Long Laung La Ung I believe is, is how you pronounce uh, their name uh, based on their memoir and depicts seven year old Ung who was forced to be trained as a child soldier while her siblings are sent to labor camps during the communist Khmer Rouge regime I've been hearing a lot of buzz about that one too L by Paul Verhoeven 
which is what Isabel Huppert as a businesswoman who's raped in her home by a masked assailant and decides not to report it due to her past experience with the police. Huh. Interesting. Based on the novel O oh, dot 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 by Philippe Dijon. Philippe Jean. DJ DJ I A N. Huh. I'll have to check that out. Once again, all these foreign films are stuff I don't learn until after the fact. But the winner was uh Park John Wook's The Handmaiden, which is uh inspired from the novel Fingersmith by Welsh writer Sarah Waters. Setting change from Victorian era Britain to Korea under Japanese colonial rule. And it looks like, uh, what's that? What's Fingersmith about? Uh, Fagan liked Denethys, really in depth. Can't just give me, uh, can't just give me a basic premise rundown. Here, what's the TV serial say? Follows meeting of two very different young women and what madness ensues. Okay, so, so I don't know, but uh, that that's what won uh, the BAFTA for best foreign language film, essentially, and and I can't speak for which uh, which of those would be the best choice because I haven't heard of most of them and I haven't seen any of them. Uh, best editing nominees: Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, The Shape of Water, Dunkirk, and Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and the winner was Baby Driver. That's a good movie to give to editing. Uh, it's either that or Blade Runner for me, honestly. So, yeah, good for them. Good for uh, Paul Maclis and Jonathan Amos. Uh, next up, Best Makeup and Hair. Nominees are Wonder, Victoria and Abdul, I, Tanya, and Blade Runner 2049. And the winner is Darkest Hour. Sure, whatever, I guess. I don't know. I really don't think Darkest Hour is all that hot. But I don't know. Critical Darling, it should be noted. Some people are just, that's their thing. Uh, best Costume Design, The Shape of Water, I, Tanya, Darkest Hour, and Beauty and the Beast. Jacqueline Durant nominated twice on this list because of uh, be, working on both Darkest Hour and Beauty and the Beast. And then the winner goes to Mark Bridges for Phantom Thread, which I would hope a movie about uh, actual clothes making with, with best costume design. I mean, how do you not? Uh, best Special Visual Effects, Nominees were for War for the Planet of the Apes, Last Jedi, Shape of Water, and Dunkirk. And the winner was Blade Runner 2049. And I gotta say, yeah, 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 pretty much. Either that, it was either that or War for the Planet of the Apes, honestly. But yeah, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, makes sense. Best Production Design. Nominees are Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, Blade Runner 2049, and Beauty and the Beast. And the winner was Shape of Water. Nicely done. That's another one I think would go, would have gone to 2049, but uh, at the same time, you know, hey, good for Shape of Water. You did, you done a good. Best Sound, both mixing and editing. Nominees are Last Jedi, Shape of Water, Blade Runner 2049, and Baby Driver, and the winner was Dunkirk. I get that. I kind of get that. I would kind of give it to Baby Driver for its use of uh, mixing the sound, you know, all out. I guess that would be under full editing. I guess that's why they gave that Baby Driver editing instead of sound. But eh, it's alright. Yeah, I get Dunkirk is, a, is another good good uh, choice for the winner. Best Original Music. Nominees were Phantom Thread, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, Blade, and Blade Runner 2049. And the winner, once again, is Alessandro Desplat 
Desplat. How do you how do you pronounce this guy's name? For Shape of Water. Uh, Alex Alexander Desplat. Alex Alexa Alexander Desplat. So uh, yeah, that guy. He did it good. Uh, next up, best documentary. Uh, Jane by Brett Morgan, which I don't remember. Oh, it's about Jane Goodall. Okay. Uh, an Inconvenient Sequel from uh, from the people who brought to that first one. Icarus, which is about, uh, I think, a, oh, the doping scandal. And then City of Ghosts, which I think is about Raka. Raka? Yeah, Raka. And the winner was I Am Not Your Negro by Raoul Peck, which is based on the manuscript by noted African-American luminary James Baldwin. Remember this house. And I've heard nothing but good things about this movie. I really need to check it out. I hear just the best stuff. A 93-minute feature documentary narrated by Samuel L. Jackson, entirely inspired by James Baldwin's unfinished manuscript, Remember This House, a collection of notes and letters written by Baldwin in the mid-1970s. The memoir recounts the lives of his close friends and civil rights leaders, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., and Medgar Evers. I, I heard nothing but good things. I really need to go back and check this out. Although BAFTAs are nominating stuff from like 2016, more than 2017. It's finding that odd. I guess it just takes that long to get to England. Uh, outstanding British Film. Uh, so I think they do best film overall, but then there's a couple of... Ca- these two categories are for uh, specifically British entities. So, outstanding British film. First up, Paddington 2, which I guess was released last year for them. Uh, Lady Macbeth, God's Own Country, The Death of Stalin, Darkest Hour, and the winner, oddly enough, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, because... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Martin McDonough uh, is a British. is a, is a British. Uh, oh, I guess yeah. Martin McDonough, Graham Broadbent. So there's a British filmmakers behind it. That's why it was nominated. So good stuff. Uh, outstanding debut by a British writer, director, or producer. Uh, nominees are uh, Alice Birch, William Oldroyd, and Fodla Cronin O'Reilly for Lady Macbeth. Lucy Cohen for Kingdom of Us, Johnny Harris for Jawbone, Gareth Tunley, Jack Healy, Gutman, and Tom Meaton for The Ghoul, and the winner is Rungano Nioni and Emily Morgan for I Am Not a Witch, which I have never heard of. What is this? I Am Not a Witch is a British-French drama screened by the director's Fortnite section, Cannes Film. Okay, it's about, um, seems to be about, uh, uh, a woman in Africa accused of being a witch? Maybe? IMDb. Following a banal incident in her local village, eight-year-old girl Shula is accused of witchcraft. After a short trial, she is found guilty, taken into state custody, and exiled to a witch camp. Things I need to see that I somehow missed. This movie. Alright, next up. Best Cinematography. Nominees. Ben Davis for Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Dan Lawson for Lawson. Laustsen for uh, The Shape of Water, Hoyt van Hoytema for Dunkirk, Bruno Del Bono for Darkest Hour, and the winner, and much deserved, Roger Deakins for Blade Runner 2049. 
Uh, next up, a lot. Of, once again, if you remember my last, uh, my previous uh, uh, entries of an award goes to, you're going to see a lot of carryover. There seems to be a pattern growing. So base your Oscar pools on those episodes. Next up, best adapted screenplay. Nominees are Aaron Sorkin for Molly's Game. Uh, Armando Yanucci, Ian Martin, and David Schneider for The Death of Stalin, which I am not familiar with. Political satire, chronicles of Soviet power struggles occasioned by death of dictator Joseph Stalin. Based on the graphic novel of the same name, translated from French original titles Le Mort de Stalin. Stalin. I have you pronounce French for Stalin. That's something I want to check, that I should check out. I hear, that, that, that's probably good. Um... Matt Greenhow, Matt Greenhow for uh, Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool, Simon Farnaby and Paul King for Paddington Two, and the winner, James Ivory for Call Me by Your Name. Uh, which other nominees given? I yeah, probably that. Um, best original screenplay: Stephen Rogers for I Tanya, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor for The Shape of Water, and the winner, Martin McDonough for Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I don't know if that one's as well-deserved. I feel like Shape of Water or Get Out would be better choices for that, but I think it's British uh, bias. You know, it's uh, British's own bias towards patting itself on the back, showing through. I don't know. Uh, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Octavia Spencer for Shape of Water, Kristen Scott Thomas for Darkest Hour, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, and the winner, Allison Janney for I, Tanya. Tanya. Mark these down for your Oscar pool. Days are probably going to be the winners. Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards, Hugh Grant for Paddington 2, Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project, and Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, he was the winner. So yeah, once again, Allison Janney, Sam Rockwell, these are the people to mark down for Best, best uh, in Their Category. Uh, next up, Actress in a Leading Role. Nominees are Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water, Annette Benning for Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool, and the winner, once again, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards. Telling you, mark these down. I should be marking these down. Uh, best Actor in a Leading Role, Daniel Kalia for Get Out, Daniel J. Lewis for Phantom Threat, Timothée Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, and Jamie Bell for Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. With the winner being, once again, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. Telling you guys, mark these down. These are the patterns being noted. Uh, And then, last two. First up, uh, Best Director. Nominees were Martin McDonough for Three Billboards. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Luca Guadagnino for Call Me By Your Name. And Denis Villeneuve for Blade Runner 2049. With the winner being... Once again, Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water. And then finally, the BAFTA's uh, Best Film of 2017. Uh, Nominees were The Shape of Water, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, and Call Me By Your Name, with the winner being Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So those were the BAFTA's. A lot of carryover from the other stuff. The only thing that really stood out was the stuff like the... Uh, uprising star category, but uh, and the fact that their 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 choices for a foreign language film were different than most other people. But for the most part, a lot of the um, a lot of the awards seem to carry over from the Golden Globes, 
Critics' Choice, Producers Guild, all of that. So most of the awards seem to stay the same. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, once again, if you've been following this thread of episodes, make sure to mark these down for your Oscar pool. You'll be a winner. Uh, you'll most likely be a winner. And then, of course, the uh, Ridley Scott received the BAFTA Fellowship Award, which is uh, lifetime their Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, like, last year, they gave it to Joanna Lumley, and before that, it was Mel Brooks. So... Here we got Ridley Scott receiving his Lifetime Achievement Award, so good for him. And that's it for the BAFTA Awards. Uh, next up should be the Oscars in March. That's right, the Oscars are going to be coming up in the beginning of March. So, yeah, here we go. So, here we go. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all for now. And uh, before we get move along, uh, let's check out the trailers for next weekend. Next weekend... It's going to be much lighter fare. Uh, first, we've got Annihilation, which is ba- the latest from um, from the uh, writer-director of Ex Machina. What's his name? Uh, where's his name? Come on. Cast and crew. Uh, come on. Alex Garland. So his this is Annihilation is based on uh, a, a best-selling novel I haven't heard of, but it stars Natalie Portman and it's about sort of like I think it's about another dimension mixing with Earth, but it's hard to say I can't say for sure. Um, Every day, which is basically uh, everything, everything, but with a white chicken elite, pretty much, uh, and then Game Night, which is what I was looking forward to, uh, which is a sort of horror comedy of sorts. So let's take a look first off. At Annihilation. Can you describe its form? No. Start from the beginning. What do you think I do when you're away? You think I'm out in the garden? Also, I scarize the kids in this. From the writer director of Ex Machina. Your husband's here. Isn't he Clayton Bissell? No. Let me see him. He's extremely ill. You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. I think that's Laura Linney. Something they termed the Shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people. Yeah, I'm liking the school. But something has. You're a biologist. You served in the military. If I knew what happened, I could save his life. The boundary's getting bigger. It's expanding. They look like freaking Ghostbusters, I swear. They're about to go bust some aliens. It's beautiful. Check this out. Like they're stuck in a continuous mutation. Anything interesting in there? No. Sharks have teeth like that. It's not possible. You can't crossbreed different species. What is it? The soldiers on the last expedition. They went crazy. Or something in here killed them. Something's come through the fence. Through the fence? We have to go back. I can't go back. We can camp here tonight. 
destroying everything. It's not destroying. It's making something new. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing this. I have no idea what to expect from this. Just, whew. Although someone's saying uh, why the release of Annihilation is problematic. Oh boy. Not sure what that's about. Uh, but next up, we've got... Oh, it apparently it was an Annihilation is much like Lord of the Rings. One of those novels considered to be unfilmable. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, next up, Game Night from... Uh, I forget who does this, but it's uh, Jason Bateman and... Uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, Rachel McAdams starring... Uh, all right, let's go. We're down to two teams. So for double points, what is the name of the purple Teletubby? Tinky Winky. You're both correct. <laughs> he always carried a... Red purse. Aw, that's cute. I love it's nerd. competitive, as am I. It's one of the reasons I fell in love with him. Oh, it's easy. He was an Incredible Hulk. Eric Bana. Other one. Mark Ruffalo. Other one. Lou Ferrigno. Primal Fear. Richard Gere never played the Incredible Hulk. Time. Jesus Christ. Ed Norton. Oh, oh shit. Primal Fear. Oh. Guys, what do you say we do this at my house next week? This will be a game night to remember. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Tonight, we're taking game night up a notch. We don't need a board and we do not need pieces. We won't need any extra rudeness either. Someone in this room is going to be taken. Oh, it's a murder mystery party. Fun. Whoever finds the victim wins the grand prize. That's Kyle Chandler, okay, from Manchester by the Sea. Chester Keys? No, Ryan, the whole car. Oh, yes! I just want to wish you the best of luck tonight. (laughs) Bye. Baby, hand me those matches. I'm about to burn this door down. We're going to light a fire in a windowless room that we're trapped in. Why are you going to make my idea sound stupid? <laughs> You're not going to know what's real and what's fake. Is this gun real? Oh, oh no, Andy. Oh, oh no, 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 Oh, my God, I shot you. What the f- <laughs> we always enjoy the camaraderie of good friends. Often we don't appreciate what we have until it's gone. Oh, because your wife left you. Oh, shit. <laughs> the more you play, the crazier, wilder, scarier, faster, weirder it gets. Oh, the poor puppy. Oh! Jason Bateman. One idea, it's so crazy, it just might work. Rachel McAdams. You're gonna crash the car into the plane like Liam Neeson in Taken 3? He did that in Taken 3, huh? Uh, you missed it. <laughs> Thanks, baby. This is instructions on how to remove a bullet. It didn't have rubbing alcohol, so I got you this lovely shard. Good idea, way to pivot. What is helpful in country living? Oh, that's related. There's a corn chowder recipe. It looks really good. Oh, you love corn chowder, huh? Yeah. Let's check Thank it out. You. Oh, <laughs> oh this looks like fun. You know, this just looks like fun. I really like it, and I, I'm, I, I hope it's as good as the trailers have made it out to be. And the prep, and I hope it's not. They don't bungle it based on that premise. I, because yeah, it's, it's, it seems like so much fun. All right, uh, last up, every day. 
So let's take a look at this latest young adult schlock. Ryan Pictures. I thought they were bankrupt now. That's what Weird Al told me. wakes up in a different body every day. Oh no, that's not that one. That's not the... Never too far from the last. This is the... I have absolutely no control over any of it. The day that Amy shadowed you at school, I was Amy. The day that you went to the beach with Justin, I was Justin. It's not possible. It is. Yeah, I don't... Every day a different body. It's me. Every day of your life, you've just woken up and... Just tried to live that day for that person. Every day a different life. That sounds really lonely. It isn't, because I know what makes each person different and makes everyone the same. Why are you doing this? The day we met, I felt something I've never felt before. And I don't want to let that go. I am so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm in love with someone who wakes up in a different body every day. Always the same age, never the same person twice. You're such a bright, beautiful, kind, funny... Bang. Person. Michael, we are going to miss our flight. My family's supposed to fly to Honolulu today. If Michael. I go tomorrow, I wake up as a kid who's not flying back here. Oh my God, this kid does not exercise. <laughs> okay, every day in love with the same girl. I have to go. Wait, stop. Who even was that? I'm, I'm forcing Alexander out of his own life, and it's wrong. What are you saying? Think about what happens if you and I stay together. We can make it work. I want to believe that. Okay, so is this isn't the same one as Everything Everything. That's a different one where the lady has to come out at night. I'm the person in the world that you're closest to. What about us? What about us? You know, I thought you'd left left. I'd never leave. Other than every day. What about Yeah, I'm not sure how exactly this is supposed to work. I'm interested to see what they do with that premise because I have no idea how exactly they're going to make that work. Oh, uh, the trailer for uh, My Friend Dahmer which they filmed here. Based on the guy, based on the, uh, the guy, based on a local guy who uh, published the book about it too. So, uh, I, that's interesting. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. See what, see where that got, it, see how it got distributed so far. I hear good things about it. So yeah, that's next weekend. It seems to be a nice carryover, whereas last weekend was pretty bad, and this weekend was solid. This next weekend seems like another solid entry. We got Annihilation, we got Game Night, and even if every day is the worst thing we got, that's not, that we can do, you know we you know it's not the worst thing I've seen this year. Hopefully, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, that about does it for this week. Which means now it is time for the plugs. If you are listening to this podcast, you are most likely listening to us on our homepage at GumbyCatNetworks.com. And I've since started uh, uploading to Libsyn for the audio, since I've reached uh, the capacity for Squarespace. But uh, there was an issue last week with uh, my 100th episode being cut short in half. Hopefully I fixed that by the time you're hearing this. So if, if, you, have, if, you, if you wanted to hear the rest of my list... Of 100 favorite movies uh, Go back and listen to the episode now It should be working That's why I need audience feedback If something ain't working You need to let me know so I can fix it I didn't find out until uh, Saturday's stream When uh, when uh, one of my listeners told me in the chat So yeah, you gotta, you gotta let me know these things If something ain't working Maybe, maybe I did get a message uh, Let me double check 
Patreon, 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 Patreon. Let's take a look at uh, the 12th. Okay, YouTube, Team Stardust. I didn't get any messages through my email. That's why you gotta let me know these things. Uh, if, if I if I done goof something, I need to be able to fix it, and I need to know it's goofed in order to fix it. So don't hesitate to let me know. Hey, you done goofed? That way I can fix it, and you get the proper episode you deserve. Uh, so yeah, you can follow uh, the Lipson should be working through Google Play and iTunes as well as Spotify now. Uh, I'm trying to let me take a look at what all we've got in terms of statistics where we where we're at where our listenership is at where are we at what uh I think I I got somebody over oh I got a listener in Australia and in Japan now I love the Libsyn base uh we got Chrome Apple Core Media Mozilla Pocket Cast Podcast Addict ITMs and I think okay so yeah it's mostly done through Chrome so yeah uh let it, yeah, check it. So check us out. We're available through. Um, once again, we're available through Spotify now. I wasn't able to get onto um, Spreaker just because Spreaker demanded more. Um, demanded me to pay them in order for hosting. Uh, but let me double check my destinations. We got the Android app for Libsyn, the iPhone app for Libsyn, the Classic Feed for Libsyn, the Windows app. Uh, network app listing podcast page Spotify and the web player right now and then of course there are the feeds through uh, Squarespace that I've uploaded so yeah whatever uh, whatever you know however you listen to your podcast look for a popcorn junkie and as long as you're getting over 100 episodes you should be getting the most up to date feed so yeah let us and, and make sure you let people know that hey you like this thing by leaving five star ratings and reviews and telling people and to share the podcast through your social media uh our social media home is facebook.com slash popcorn junkie there you'll find all the episode announcements when i'm doing a stream when i made the i think i made the announcements for libsyn there and i'm gonna make another announcement saying that 100 episode 100 should be fixed but uh yeah all the major announcements are gonna be through lips are gonna be through facebook and uh, so if you want to hear the big news about the podcast, uh, let me know. you're going to follow us there and like that page. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Corn Junkie Pod. There you'll hear um, – there you can join me for not only the, the main feed uh, from Facebook, but there I also do uh, trailer talk where I comment on a trailer that plays before a new release and the Munch Along, which I just did one for Samson. And I got a lot of – I got somebody uh, catching on <laughs> – to me commenting on it and enjoyed my commentary. So if you want, if you want to do uh, see see my thoughts on stuff more uh, frequently, check me out on Twitter at Corn Junkie Pod. I'm probably the most active there. And then uh, I still need to figure out what to do with Instagram. But if you want to follow me there and get uh, get the po- get some of the posts to go to the Facebook page, go to inst- open up Instagram and look up Popcorn Junkie Podcast, and there you'll find my feed. It's mainly just. Uh, episode announcements and ticket and uh, ticket announcements, like when I, you know, like when I'm going to see a new movie in theaters, sort of thing. Uh, I'm gonna f- try to find a new outlet for that because I want to be more productive on Instagram as well. 
Uh, I'm on uh, Stardust still. Uh, you you'll notice you'll probably notice a bunch of my reactions on Stardust. There, just follow Popcorn Junkie, and you get. And I'm hoping to um, add the trailer reactions pretty soon. I just need to find the right you know out time to do it. And uh, you know, and I think I'll do it. And I want to do it before I start recording as well. So I think I'll do that like the Sundays before I start recording. But uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, open just download Stardust and follow Popcorn Junkie there. And you can follow people like the Nostalgia Critic, Jeremy John, the Schmoes Know, uh, the other internet, the the internet's other John Bailey with an I, the Epic Voice guy from Honest Trailers over on Screen Junkies. He does a bunch of movie reviews and commentary over there as well. He just did a three-parter on uh, on Black Panther, so go check him out as well. He's Epic Voice guy, and uh, yeah. Go check out Stardust. It's a fun way. It's a nice. It's like Vine for movie reviewers and TV reviewers as well. So check it out. And then uh, I'm on Twitch. We just uh, finished. We just finished Pokemon Red. I beat the Elite Four and my rival ten le- like ten levels under the normal level I was supposed to be. Almost ten fifteen levels under, and I still beat them. And then I started playing uh, the original '98 Pokemon trading card game for the Game Boy Color. And we, uh, and, uh, we're going to try something else, uh, for a, a for an Nuzlocke next week. Uh, basically, uh, Nuzlocke, the Nuzlocke ended, uh, exactly how Nuzlocke usually end, in tragedy. I'll just say that. I hope to get the, uh, vid- the, uh, videos edited pretty soon. I, unfortunately, the depression hit me, did, kept me from, uh, doing a lot of editing work that I needed to do but I got but I'm hoping to get more of that uh, as as we go along and hopefully imp- and hopefully um, finally get the twitch channel up and running but yeah check me out over on twitch.tv slash popcorn junkie pwh short for popcorn junkie plays with himself uh, next week is gonna be more Star Wars Battlefront 2 classic from pandemic and uh, I think we ended just before um, the clone attack in uh, Camino, so we're close to the end. We should be able to finish uh, next weekend, next week uh, with uh, that with that with that campaign. And uh, then, like I said, we're doing uh, Pokemaniac for Pokemon trading card game for the Game Boy Color. And I'm gonna and we're gonna keep doing the trials of the Pokemaniac. I'm gonna keep doing more Nuzlocke until I get it right. And if there's anything else you want to say to me, any kind of feedback you want to give on the podcast, anything I need to work uh, to correct or update, much like the much like last week's episode, don't hesitate to send that to popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com, and I'll either get back to you privately, or if you want me to comment on the episode, I'll relay my relay your message there. That about does it for this week. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and maybe we shouldn't celebrate our presidents like any of them. Just a thought. The theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork.
because the Civil War event was uh, was a shit show. I'm gonna cut that out. And uh, yeah, that about does it for this week. And then of course, um, uh, of course, and then of course you can always send in stuff to me at Facebook. And that, 